You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. the privilege this morning of introducing my son. Some of you uh, may not have met him and my daughter-in-law, Rachel, right here, who is standing up and waving to you as we, as I embarrass her. Um, Somebody, somebody complimented me on the sermon this morning. And I was was standing at the door, Brian preached, and they said, good sermon. I said, yeah, I've been working on that one for 40 years. So... (laughs) So, uh, Brian and Rachel um, grew up in the church where Terry and I worked with youth for years and were in leadership, and I ran the school there and was on eldership for, we were there 22 years, so that's all he knew, and about eight years ago, they, they uh, planted out a, a brand new church in the Bay Area of Houston, uh, Texas, and that church is doing really, really well, and uh, there's life there, there's the joy of the Lord there, there's people's lives being transformed, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful uh, joy to watch their journey as well. So I'm going to invite Brian up here. And this is my son, with whom I'm well pleased. And uh, we want to uh, pray for God to fill him afresh with his spirit. Father, we thank you for the gift that Brian is. We thank you that he sees things that you see. Oftentimes we don't see. I pray that as he shares from your word, shares his heart today, that we would receive it as if from you. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. It's great to be here and see uh, familiar fr- faces, family. Uh, it feels like family uh, to be here always when we come. It's so good to, to be uh, well-received. It'd be like horrible if it was the other way around. It's like, oh man, you're here again. Uh, my dad said this is like the 16th year I've preached at this church, which seems just like a whole long time. Makes me feel real old. Um, but uh, it's, it's good to be here, Rach and uh, myself and our kids. We're uh, here on vacation, so a vacation officially starts for me uh, this afternoon, and um, we are so privileged that my parents are our best friends. It's super cool to, to be with them, to hang out with them, and uh, so, so privileged for their investment in our lives. Uh, I realize, uh, planting the church, that so many of the good qualities of our community, of our church, are uh, because of my parents' investment in my life. And uh, so I'm so thankful for them. So, all right, you guys ready this morning? Okay, uh, we're, we're going to be talking, um, uh, we're going to be going in Nehemiah, so if you want to turn your Bibles there to Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to work through this chapter this morning. So it's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible, and uh, if you're new, we want to warmly welcome you. If you don't know Jesus, you, you came to the right spot. This is a community of people that absolutely love Jesus, and so if you have questions uh, and, and you want to investigate further uh, what Christianity is about, uh, there's a bunch of great people. You can come up to the front here after service. Um, so let's pray. Uh, God, I just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this church, and God, even now, in the next few minutes, we pray, Lord, that you would work on our hearts. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're, you're, you're dwelling within us, that you're leading us, and you're with us, and so we just want to give you access to our hearts. We, wanna, we want you to uh, 
to, to bring truth alive in our hearts in a way that, that changes us and transforms us, a way, a way that doesn't leave us the same, a way that takes us from one degree to the next, Lord. God, we do trust you. We thank you, Lord, that you're living and active in our lives. And do that in our lives now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Never, never, never give up. My mom, uh, eight years ago when we planted the church, gave me this paperweight that says, never, never, never give up. And it's attributed to Winston Churchill. Uh, I did a little Google research. He never actually said it. He said, never, never, never give in. Kind of means the same thing. Doesn't have the same ring to it, though. So we're just going to work against history. And we're going to say, never, never, never give up. Uh, very encouraging words. When, when uh, I am in my office and I see that paperweight, it has oftentimes encouraged me to never, never give up. Church planning and leading a church hasn't been easy. Uh, participating in what God calls us to do isn't necessarily easy. It's not roses, sunflowers, and stardust. Um, it, it's oftentimes difficult. Uh, on my Facebook page app, it came up five years ago today, this week. It reminded me of one of the most difficult times I have experienced and had. Uh, I was leading a community group, and it was, it was a group more of our older, more conservative uh, f- couples. And, man, I was doing everything I could to get this meeting like going and life in the meeting. And so I'm giving it all I have. And so I pray passionately at the end. All right, God, you can do a work amongst us. And as I'm praying, I hear this distinct sound. And it, it was like this. <laughs> and so I kind of stop praying for a second. And I look around and there's one other person that kind of gets, catches eyes with me. And we're like, what's going on here? Everybody else is still praying, right? They didn't hear it. And so I can just go, okay, I'm going to keep on praying. So I keep on praying, and then we hear the sound again. And I turned, and it's my wife. <laughs> and at this point, the, the, whole, the whole group is all uh, interrupted in their prayer. They are looking at Rachel, and Rachel's still going for it. And the silence wakes her up. And she looks around, everybody's staring at her, and she bursts in this nervous laughter. <laughs> Which, a normal community, everybody just laughs together, right? But that's not what happened. Everybody just stares at her, laughing at herself. Very awkward moment. But there have been difficult times, but I don't think there's ever been that difficult of a time when I had to go back to God, run to God in desperation and say, God, help me. You said, you called me here. You said, never give up. And my own wife won't even stay awake. <laughs> Felt like Jesus in the garden. Will you not tarry one hour with me? Um, when God invites us to participate in his work, it's not always easy. Uh, and at times, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And uh, when we look at the story of Nehemiah, we see this incredible account 
of God calling Nehemiah and the people of God to participate in his work. And his work is great. His work really matters. And what we know as believers and as Christians, that God not only saved us, uh, he saved us, restored us, and calls us to participate with him in his work and what he's doing in the world. What is God on about? God is on about uh, restoring lives. This book of Nehemiah is about the people of God restoring broken walls in order that the people of God would be restored back to God as the people of God. And what we know continually throughout time is that God has always been uh, committed to his work of restoration. God doesn't only care about broken walls. He cares about broken lives. He cares about broken communities. He cares about broken neighborhoods. And he calls us, just like he called Nehemiah and the people of God, to participate with him in the restoration of uh, all things. It's his work, and we're called to participate in his work. So um, what we know is that when we are working and participating in this work, it could be challenging, it could be difficult, we can face opposition, it's not always easy, we face the difficult challenges. So let's start reading in Nehemiah chapter 4, and uh, we will dive into it. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Now when Samballot heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. So this guy is Sam Ballot, and he has this, he's kind of like the, the, the evil villain uh, in this story. And we see him multiple times. We, we actually saw him in chapter 2, and we now see him here in chapter 4, and we'll see him as the story unfolds in Nehemiah. Uh, but he's the de- kind of like the villain He's already been angry. He's already been mocking and ridiculing the Jews, and he's continuing to do this. He has this uh, kind of minion, Tobiah, uh, that is with Sambal in verse 2. It says, And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. Before it's just him and, and uh, Tobiah, and uh, now Sambalat is growing his numbers of people are, who are on his side. And he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? The question was, what are these incompetent Jews doing? What are these miserable and weak and pathetic Jews doing? Will they they restore it for themselves? Talking about the wall. Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And then Tobiah, the, you know, the, the evil minion. You know, like every movie, there's the, the villain guy, and then there's like the, the minion guy who's the support to the evil villain, Tobiah. That's, that's just the way I read this text. Tobiah, the minion, speaks up. The Ammonite was behind him and said, Yes, what they, they are building, if a fox goes up, and he will break it down their stone wall. And I, I think it's Sam Ballad at this point. It was like, just be quiet, Okay. Just you be quiet. You stand and support me. You're not helping my cause at all. So here's what's happening is Nehemiah and the people of God are starting to face opposition. And as this, as this chapter unfolds, we're going to see uh, multiple waves of opposition. 
So this is the first wave of opposition. They're getting ridiculed. They're getting made fun of. They're, they're getting called incompetent and pathetic. Ah, that words hurt. That, that hurts. And I'm sure Nehemiah and the people of God are kind of wrestling with, wow, I mean, these, why are these guys so angry at us? Why are they mocking us like they are? So, so what do you do when you face opposition? God clearly tells you to do something. What is the right response? Well, we see what the right response is because Nehemiah uh, leads the people of God rightly. He, they uh, immediately turn to God. They pray to God, ask for help, ask for help to, uh, that God would defend them. And then they continue on in the work. That's, that's how it works, right? You, when you face opposition, you just pray to God, simple prayer, and then you continue on with the work, and then there's no more opposition. It's as simple as that. Life is easy serving God, right? Is that what you've experienced? No, that's not what we've experienced. If you're new with Christianity, surprise. That's not the end of the story. It actually is going to get worse. But we see in verse 6... Uh, after they prayed to God, after they continued on with the work, it says, so we built the wall, and all of the wall was joined together to half its height, and for the people of God had a mind to work. So the people of God are unfazed. First wave attack comes, first opposition, no big deal. We're going to keep on trusting in God, and we're going to keep on working and they keep on working to such an extent that half of the wall gets built i mean this is incredible results i mean they are making progress this point half of the wall is built so they're making progress as they continue to make progress their opposition increases when you are participating in god's work and you're starting to see success and results, the opposition is going to increase. Increase. It's, it's going to heat up. It's, it's going to be more severe. Is everybody encouraged by this message? It's like, amen, hallelujah. Woo, I'm opposed. Yes. Ridiculed. Yes. Okay. Let's see the second wave of opposition. Verse 7. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to close, they were very angry. They're ticked off. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Now, do you see what's happening? The, the opposition is increasing. It went from threats, uh, it went from ridicule to threats. Now their lives are in danger. And not only are their lives in danger, their enemies are increasing and multiplying. There are more of them now. They are surrounded on all four sides by different um, uh, people that want to oppose them. The Ashdodites, the Arabs, the, the, the Sumerians, all surrounding them, wanting to stop what is happening. Now, this is now the second wave of opposition. First wave of opposition, they, they pass with flying colors but the second wave of opposition, as it begins to heat up, the people of God start to get affected by it. 
verse 10, we see this. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. And by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Opposition is coming and the people of God are starting to be affected by the opposition. Do you see what is happening here? The, the threat and the fear is starting to shake their confidence. They're starting to lose the enthusiasm that they had. Remember in verse 6, it said the people of God had a mind to work. They were engaged. They were like, yes, serving God is awesome. Look at the progress we're making. A couple verses later, oh man, we're tired and we're weary. Our strength is failing and there's so much more work to do. I mean, we've been working so hard and, and there's so much more work to do said, there's too much rubble for us, which isn't really true because they're halfway done, which means that there's half as much rubble as there was when they started. They are halfway done. They're not glass half full type people. They're now glass half empty type people. Oh man, there's too much work. We, we, our strength is failing. We, 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 can't, we can't do it. The threat starts to take a toll on them. And then in addition to this, they have these, these other Jews. It says there are these other Jews that are not living at Jerusalem that are saying repeated. It says they're saying 10 times return to us. Now these are Jews that aren't participating in the rebuilding of the walls. They're, they're the people when Nehemiah kind of gave the, 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 big, the big mission statement, the big vision casting, hey, God's called us to rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild. A bunch of the Jews said, yes, we will rebuild the walls. But there was Jews that said, nah, we're not going to rebuild the walls for whatever reason. Maybe they doubted. Maybe they're afraid of the opposition. Maybe they're too busy engaged in what they were doing. And so they're outside of Jerusalem and they're saying to all of their Jew Jewish neighbors and friends, hey, this work that you're doing, what are you guys doing? You guys shouldn't even started the work. What are you guys thinking? Your lives are in danger. Do you want to die over this? Come back to us. Stop what you're doing. It, it, it's only making your life worse and come back. You're causing trouble for us. Come back and let's just go back to what was. Let's go back to what was happening to us. What, what was happening to the Jews? They were in exile. They, they were slaves. They, they were financially ruined. Most of them couldn't even uh, afford food, so they had to sell their daughters. I mean, they were in a bad spot. Going back wasn't a good option. God was working restoration through the people, and it required the people holding to what God had spoken and not giving up. But they were constantly getting assaulted. You have to quit. When we're around negative people, when we're around people that aren't putting their trust in God or full of doubt and bring discouragement on us, it affects us. 
And this is what is happening to the people of God. They're starting to be affected by what is happening. What, what is happening when we're being opposed? What is the strategy of opposition? When we are faithfully following what God has called us to do, what is the strategy and what's the purpose of the opposition? Here, here's what it is as we see this story. They were uh, ridiculed. They were ridiculed, and then it increased, it heated up. It wasn't just ridicules, it wasn't sticks and stones. No, there's actually threats now that they they wanted to kill them. They were very angry and greatly enraged. This affected them in a way where they started to give in to intimidation, where they started to give in to fear, all for the purpose of quitting, all for the purpose of of quitting. Opposition exists to get us to quit. But we also see that there was hard work. Um, The people were facing a whole bunch of hard work, and they were tired. They were weary. There's too much rubble. We're never going to get this done. When is this going to happen? So they gave into discouragement. It started to give into doubt. Man, I, I don't think this is going to happen. I mean, we're either going to lose our lives and it's all for what? It's for nothing. We need to just quit. We need to go back to where we came from. Let's go back to how it was. See, this is a crucial truth that we as people who follow Jesus need to know. This isn't the kind of thing that we get all encouraged by and we start celebrating and jumping up and down. But if we're going to be faithful to what God has called us to do with our lives, being faithful to follow Him, we have to know, we have to come to terms with two realities in our life. Number one, that we are going to be opposed. And number two, The work is going to be hard. Amen. Everybody encouraged? I said amen. You guys all said amen like you agree with me. But do you really agree with me? We are going to be opposed and the work is going to be hard. So we're going to be opposed. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle and the battle is real. Now, by and large, within kind of Christian communities, we, we just want to talk about the positive stuff. We, we don't have a, a liking to talk about the negative. So let's not be negative. Let, why, why are we being negative? Let's just be positive. Even when the boat is sinking, hey, everything's okay. It's all right. Everybody smile. Keep the music playing. As Christians, we have to be aware We have to know that we're in a spiritual battle and the battle is real and the battle is for our demise. The battle is to undo, to stop, to thwart us from participating in what God's called us to do. To stop us to to living faithfully to God in every area of our lives. To stop us to living uh, in our marriage, if you're, if you're married here this morning, to stop us to, 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 to living out our marriage in a God-honoring way. Yeah. To lead our families 
in a God-honoring way, to live as lights in darkness in a God-honoring way. See, the, the enemy wants to get us to stop. The enemy is like a prowling lion seeking whom he can devour. And those who are not aware of the enemy's schemes will be undone. See, we need to understand, be aware that the battle's real, and be prepared to fight. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Arm yourselves. Be ready for battle, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil works in schemes. You know what schemes is? Schemes is a large-scale, systematic plan. And that plan is to get you to stop serving God. It's to get you to stop making a difference for God. The plan is designed to get you to stop participating in what God has invited you to participate. The lives that will be changed by your working for God and participating with what He's on about. It's a systematic plan. It's a large-scale, fully involved plan to get you to stop. Now, the enemy is wise. The enemy works in schemes. The enemy knows you. Think about it. If you were to undo, come up with a plan to, to systematically undo you, to get you a pl- to a place of discouragement and despair and ultimately to a place where you quit, how would you do it? What plan would you come up with? Because I want you to know the enemy is a tactician. And he's come up with a systematic plan. He hasn't come up with one way of an assault. Oh, man, he's such a strong Christian. I ridiculed him, and he just prayed and keeps on working. I guess I can't get through to that guy. Oh, that's not the enemy. The enemy is wave upon wave upon wave of systematically orchestrating and planning your demise. And are you standing against the enemy's schemes? This, this verse says that um, we are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Oftentimes we, we hear verses about being strong. Oh, be strong. I like that verse. I'm going to do a t-shirt. Be strong. Yes, we are to be strong and and oftentimes we look for strength from within. And that's not what it's about. It says be strong in the strength of his might. Here's what we know. That no person in this room is strong enough to oppose the enemy. You do not have the, the strength to oppose the enemy. When we stand in the strength of his might, we stand with a greater strength than the enemy. We need to stand in the strength of his mind. For those people in the room that are thinking, oh my gosh, what is this Christianity thing? I, I thought like I would sign up for it and, and it would make my life better. But ever since I started being faithful to God and obeying him and surrendering all areas of my life to him, it's been getting harder. Man, this is so difficult. I, I can't believe this. This is not what I expected. Peter has a great verse for us. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 
We shouldn't be surprised when we experience opposition. It's not strange. It should be expected. See, we live here now on Project Earth. And we're participating with God in in the restoration of people's lives, the restoration of of cities and and the world. It's not our work, it's it's his work. And he's ultimately going to fulfill his work. And when Jesus returns again, he will do away with all sorrows and weeping and sickness. And he'll do away with our enemy. And we will be with him for all eternity. This is, this is what we're hoping for. But right now we live in the kingdom of two ages. Us being his active agents for his kingdom. That his kingdom would advance. And we're opposing the kingdom of this age. We're being opposed. There's a battle taking place. We are to engage in this battle. So the first reality is that we're being opposed. Uh, The second reality is that the work is hard. Let's not forget when we're doing the work of God, it's work. You'll say, man, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. It's going to be amazing and awesome. It's just going to be amazing. No, it's work. Work is a good thing. And God calls us to hard work. That means there's going to be blood and there's going to be sweat. And, And we're going to look at just the the mountain of rubble before us after we've been serving Jesus faithfully for years and years and years. And some of you have been serving for Jesus a lot longer than me, I could just tell. And um, that was a joke. (laughs) Rachel said it wasn't funny. I apologize. We've been faithfully serving Jesus. And man, it's like, man, we've, we've sacrificed so much. We've worked so hard. I mean, so much has happened. We've seen God's faithfulness, but man, I'm so tired and I'm so weary. We're looking out before us. I'm like, man, there's a lot more rubble. There's a lot more rubble. What what God calls us to is to work hard. See, we're we're very aware of our weaknesses. We're very aware of our tiredness and weaknesses. and, And when we're aware of that, for Christians, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That, that's actually a good thing. See, the world values might and power. It's like, hey, let's put our confidence in our might and power. Look at us, how powerful we are. We can do it. We can do it. That's the world's strategy. See, the people of God, our strategy is we boast in our weakness because when I am weak, I am strong. I don't stand in the strength of my might. I stand in the strength of his might. He's the one that mightily works through me. This is, this is what uh, Paul prayed about. In, uh, he said, it all, I, I work with all the energy of him working within me in Colossians 1. Galatians 6 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Are you facing opposition? Are, are you tired and weary? Are you discouraged? Are, are you giving into doubt, thinking, man, there's too much rubble. There's no way we're going to be able to get it done. Never, never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. Don't allow fear to, to grip your heart. Don't let fatigue wear down your resolve. 
Don't let threats and ridicule erode your confidence. Don't give doubt a foothold in your life. Don't let discouragement hijack your outlook. Having done all the stands, stand. Stand. Never, never, never give up on the work that God's called us to. So when we look at the people of God, we see that Nehemiah is a phenomenal leader and he leads the people out of their discouragement. They're wobbling a little bit. What do you do when you start to wobble a little bit and your confidence is lost? What do you do? Nehemiah leads the people phenomenally. So in verse 13, it says, So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Nehemiah uh, leads the people, and they face the threat. They face the threat. A good leader recognizes, hey, we're being opposed. There's opposition here. So what does he do? He does a temporary halt to the work. He has a team meeting. He says, all right, let's come together. It's a family meeting. Dad calling the family together. All right, guys, listen, we're all tired, weary. We all feel like quitting. Who doesn't feel like quitting? We all feel like quitting, but here's the deal. We want to quit because we're being opposed and the work is hard, but we're not going to do it. So we're being opposed by the enemy. So Nehemiah arms his people. and says, we're going to continue the work. The second thing that Nehemiah does is he, turns, he gets the people to look to God. They, they look to God. Nehemiah uh, was constantly praying as he was faithfully following God and is a great example for us. If we're going to serve God, we, we do it by going before him and praying our guts out. See, there, there's a battle of belief taking place when we're being opposed. And when the opposition is wearing us down, it's all about perception. Nehemiah has the people look to God. He, he invites them and leads them into a battle of belief. And the battle of belief is, is this problem, is this threat bigger than our God? Is this problem and is this threat bigger than our God? When we're facing opposition, the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the same time, the problem gets bigger in our minds. The, our God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. When we give over to the enemy, we start to believe that the enemy is bigger and greater. We start to doubt our God. So Nehemiah leads the people. No, let's look to God. This is what he says in verse 14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Verse 20, he says, our God will fight for us. This is a battle of belief taking place. Nehemiah is leading the people. No, we're going to trust in our God because our God's bigger. Our God is bigger and our God is stronger than any opposition that we face. We could trust in our God. Those who know their God are able to keep on going in the midst of threats, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tiredness, in the midst of weariness. So the third thing, the third thing that they do is they are re-envisioned. They are re-envisioned. Nehemiah is talking to the people. He's encouraged them to look to God. And then secondly, in verse 14, 
we see that he says this, Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. I mean, this is like a great speech. This is like, this is like a, a real account of a speech being given to rally the people not to quit and to keep on fighting and to keep on working. I mean, this is better than Braveheart. I mean, I can't read this without like thinking of a Scottish accent, right? Remember the Lord. (laughs) Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your... I'm such bad. I'm so bad at accents. I wish I was better. Like after the service, we, we could all have a competition who has the best accent. But what does he do? He's re-envisioning them. He says, remember, fight for, for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. See, God is about restoration. God's leading us from one place to the next. And every place that God takes us is a better place. It's him actively restoring things. The people needed to get their why back. Why in the world are we doing this? Why in the world are we, oh man, we've been facing opposition for so long. The work is so hard. Why are we doing this? Let's just quit. But Nehemiah says, no, remember your brothers. Remember your sons. Remember your daughters. Remember your wives. Remember your homes. Why? Because the state that they're in is not good. If they continue to live as they have lived, it would not be good. And God's taking them to a better place and it requires them faithfully following God and being obedient to Him. And the result is it's going to be for the benefit of their family members, benefit of their marriages, benefit of their futures. Why should you not give up in the work that God's called you to? because it's going to be for your benefit, because it's going to be for the benefit of your marriage, because it's going to be for the benefit of your family, because it's going to be for the benefit of your neighbors who don't know Jesus. It's going to be for the benefit of Placerville and beyond Placerville, because when God calls us to his work, it's always to seek restoration. Why are we doing this? We're we're doing this because people's lives are going to be changed. Marriages are going to be restored. Families are going to work together in unity. Cities are going to reflect the glory of God. Why are we faithfully following God? Because he's taking us from one place to the next. Fourth, they work the plan. So Nehemiah, um, a bunch of leadership books have been written about Nehemiah. He's a great leader. There's so many great uh, principles we could learn from Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was a man with faith and action. He trusted in God continually. He constantly turned to God in prayer, but yet he was faithful to act. He was faithful to act. He continued to act. When God said go, he went. When God said rebuild the walls, they started re- he came up with a plan and led the people to rebuild the walls. And his plan was that we are to prepare to fight and to continue the work, that we're not to stop the work. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Nehemiah has faith and works. He leads the people to continue to fight and to continue to work. His plan was that, all right, half of you 
All right, half of you are going to uh, arm yourselves and protect the other half of you who are going to continue the work. And those who are continuing the work, you're going to have a sword in one hand and work with the other hand. Do you see what's happening? Is the work getting easier or harder? The work's getting harder. It's like, wait, there's half of us doing the work now. The other half are standing guard for us. And the work, those that are working now have to carry a sword in the midst of constantly working. The work is not getting easier. The work is getting harder. And then in addition to that, Nehemiah extends the hours. He doesn't say, all right, we're going to keep on working as we've done. No, he says, here's what's going to happen. Everybody is going to live and sleep here. Nobody gets to go back to where you've come from. We all stay here and we're going to work from dawn till dusk because God has called us to a great work. Now think about that. I'm a, I'm a leader of a church and it, it's not unordinary for people to get tired and weary. So what's the good leadership lesson and when people are tired and weary, what do you do? What's your response as a leader? Well, you know, do you give them... You know, let's just take it easy. Let's go through. God's called us to a great work, but we're all tired and weary. Let's just work to half of our strength and then we'll like have free time the other half of the time. That's not what Nehemiah does. Nobody's saying amen right now. (laughs) What? This isn't right. Now, Nehemiah sees what God's called him to and says, we're going to do this. We're going to trust in our God. Our God is strong uh, strong and works within us. Calls us to a great work. They continue to work. They continue to move forward. They do not give up. Working hard is not a bad thing. Now I get it. There's workaholics. Putting your confidence and identity in your work is not a good thing. As Christians, we're always called to put our identity in Jesus, but we are called to faithfully work hard following him. Good rhythms of work and rest. And if you're like constantly exhausted, if you're constantly in state, how are you doing? I'm exhausted. You know, next week, I'm exhausted. A year from now, I'm exhausted. Then there's something wrong and you need to get that right. But we never give up on the work that God's called us to do. We never give up. If God's called us to do it, we trust that he will give us the strength that we need to finish that work. So last thing. Last thing and we're done. Everybody with me? Come on. Everybody ready to fight? Everybody ready to fight? All right. So the fifth thing is that they fight and they work together. Check this out. Verse 19. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. And we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, for our God will fight for us. Now, this is an incredible picture. This is an incredible picture of the people that we're called to be. See, we're going to face opposition. Every single believer here this morning, you're going to face opposition. And, and, and somehow, in our mindset, it's our Western American mindset is that we're individuals and we could stand on our own and we could fight on our own. What is well said by a Navy SEAL, lone rangers are dead rangers. We don't fight on our own. 
It's, it's never been called upon us to stand on our own, in our own strength. What do we do in community? When we are being opposed, when we are facing opposition, we do it together. When you are facing opposition, what you're called to do is to blow your trumpet. Let the community know that you're struggling. Let the community know that you're being opposed and that you're weary and you're tired and, and you're, you don't want to give into discouragement and you don't want to give into doubt and you need people to rally around you. When we face opposition, we don't do it on our own. We do it with each other. We blow our horn that we could rally together and fight for one another. A gospel community isn't one where we say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling right now. I'm being opposed I I might be giving into doubt. Somebody help. Gospel community doesn't start to condemn and ridicule. Oh, get get your life in order. Do you not trust Jesus? Gospel community rallies together and we fight for one another. You cannot, you cannot fight the battles that that you're going to face on your own. We do it with community and we do it together. It's, it's together where we're able to speak truth and love to each other. Never, never, never give up. When's the last time someone has looked in your eyes and lovingly said, never, never, never give up? But you're like, oh, you don't understand. I'm working so hard and it's just, there's wave and wave of opposition. I can't, I can't do it anymore. What we need is people to look at us and speak truth and love and say never, never, never give up. See, the people of God, they, they leaned into the call of God even harder when they were tired and weary. And I do think there's a subtle tendency in our heart to lighten up. What if Nehemiah said, you know what? There is a lot of work and there is a lot of rubble and you guys are all tired and weary. How about this? Let's everybody go back to their homes and just, you know, take a break, take a breather. And, you know, maybe in a couple months when we feel like it, we'll get back to building the wall. The wall would have never been built. It's only when we're living beyond ourselves. When we're living beyond our own ability, when we're living beyond our own strength, that God accomplishes great things amongst us. We have an incredible example. His name is Jesus. Jesus in Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run the race. Let us fight our battle. Let us, let us face our opposition with endurance. With endurance. That means to suffer long. Suffer long. Let us run our way, race. Suffering long. The, the race that is set before us. The great work that God has called us to. Looking at Jesus as our example, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's never been anyone more opposed than Jesus. There's never been a, a more difficult work than the one that Jesus did for our benefit. He came to this earth as a man, lived a perfect life that none of us have lived. 
And then he died on the cross for our sins. He, he didn't deserve to die on the cross. He didn't deserve to be mocked and ridiculed. He didn't deserve to, to lose his life. If anybody should have been worthy of having his life saved, it was surely Jesus. But he died on the cross. He died in our place for our sin, for our brokenness. Because our lives are broken. We're, we, we're not... We're not whole people. We're, we're broken walls. And God cares about broken walls. He cares about broken lives. And he wants to restore people. And through his work on the cross, he put people back together. He, he, he was able to give them hope in a future. In the resurrection, he, he provided us resurrection life, newness of life. And defeating our, sin, our enemies, sin, Satan, and death. And this was what Christ did for us. He, he did a great work. He restores us. And he invites us to participate in his great work. Yeah. Let's pray. There's... Perhaps this morning you're tired and weary. Perhaps this morning you've lost confidence. You've lost sight of why you're doing what you're doing. You hear this voice in your head saying, is, is this even worth it? Maybe you've already had these conversations and it's, you gave up a long time ago. There was a point in your Christian walk, in your Christian faith, Maybe a couple months ago, maybe several years ago, where the opposition got too great and you got too weary and too tired that you drew a line in the sand and you said, All right, enemy, you stay on your side. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna do all the things that God's told me to do just so we can be at peace. And you stop doing the great work that God's called you to. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to put your hope and your faith back in Jesus. Like Nehemiah said, I want to tell you, remember the Lord. Remember your God. Remember Jesus, who for the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. Remember the author and perfecter of your faith. Remember the Lord who is strong and mighty for you. Just like the people blew their trumpet when they were in trouble and people rallied around them. I think this morning that there are people in trouble. And perhaps you're on the verge of giving in to quitting, been entertaining thoughts of doubt and discouragement, and, and you need the community to rally around you and to lift up your arms and, and to tell you never, never, never give up to look to, the, to our God. I'm sure um, the elders are going to lead in prayer in just a moment. But God, we, we do pray, Lord, that you would have us continue look, to look at you, to look at you and, and to face that battle of belief that, that you are bigger than our problems. You are bigger than our circumstances. You are greater than our opposition 
that nothing can oppose us and nothing can stand upon against us when God is on our side. God, put resolve in our hearts to continue to be faithful to all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.